Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Forest Brewery and a big thank you to Forest Brewery for hosting this evening's um, oh wait, Odyssey 2021 Q&A and it's a huge privilege, ladies and gentlemen, to have multi-time Olympians, multi-time world champions, multi-time Australian champions and new dog owners, Dan McConnell and Beck McConnell. Let's give them a round of applause. So I'm wondering, do we want to talk about mountain biking or should we just talk about Lenny the Dashhound? What do you reckon, guys? Lenny, Lenny is very cute. We will get to Lenny. So let's start off some, with some quick questions. Whichever order you want to go in. Um, full names. What are your full names? Daniel James McDonald. Rebecca Ellen McDonald. Rebecca Allen, was it? Ellen. 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 Nice. Ellen with an E. Rebecca Allen McConnell. Sorry, motorbike went past. It was hard to hear. And even harder, nicknames? I am Beck. Beck? <laughs> and? Um, I don't know. I have, few, I've yeah. got quite a lot, yeah. Do we, let's go through them. Uh, Dan, Macca, um, yeah, Max. I don't know. Max. Yeah. yeah no, I haven't heard that one. Um, Alright, so quick memory test because I'm interested in this and it will start easy and it'll get harder. How many Olympics have you been to? Three. Two. Okay, getting harder. How many world champs have you raced? Not world cups, because that'll be too hard. World champs? Maybe 17. Wow, that's a lot of world champs. Beck? I think about 11. 11. Amazing. How many, I'm not going to ask how many Australian champs, because that would be hard. How many Australian titles? And? I'm not sure. Maybe about seven, I think. Imagine winning so many of your Aussie titles that you can't even remember. And Beck? Um, I, I genuinely don't know. <laughs> Beck's won everyone since under 13. Well, I was about, to, I was about 13, to ask that. So. so since under 17? 13. Under 13? An unbroken run of national championships. Well, let's, well, I wasn't going to go deep this early, but let's go deep. How do you feel about that, Beck? Like, this part, is part of you like, I wish someone had come and beat me already? No. <laughs> well, there we go. It didn't take take very long to get an answer for that. So that's incredible. That, how many is that in a row? Um, my first one was in England when I was like really young. Um, but I don't remember what year that was. And yeah, like just through the age groups. But yeah, I feel like they get a bit more legit when you get to juniors and under 23s and elite. So yeah. And was that the year of national champs where things got a bit rowdy and, and not amongst you guys? Maybe you don't even know. Ray, I wouldn't know anything. I Ray like... would probably know. You were under 13. So there was a there was an, a national champs where everyone got kicked out of Yildon and weren't actually weren't allowed to come back to Yildon until this year. This year was the first time. But do you know, Ray? Was it was it that champ? Yeah. Anyway. 
Alright, so today you both won the 2021 OA Odyssey. Congratulations. Talk us through it. So, Beck, you go first. And I, w- I want you to take your time with this because a big part of what I wanted to, this to be about was you guys gaining insight into what it's like to not just be Beck and Dan McConnell, but to be people that go to races and win races. Because these guys, Dan has won three races in the last three weekends. So, um, whoa, bit of a slip there. Beck has won two out of three. Tell us about winning the Otway Odyssey today. Beck, do you want to start? Let's start from breakfast. Ooh, um, Tell us about your preparation, what goes through your mind, all that stuff. I'm not an early morning person, um, and I have my alarm for 4.40am. Standard wake-up times closer to night on a normal day, um, so that was fairly brutal. Got a little bit of my breakfast down, definitely not all of it. Um, but yeah, kind of scrambled to get going this morning and be at the start by what time is it? Seven o'clock. Seven thirty. Um, seven. Oh, no, seven. Um, and then yeah, didn't really get any time for too much warm up, and then Samara lit it up on the first climb, which went for maybe half an hour. Um, so yeah, I was a little bit behind her for for the early part of the race, and then we came together and. Kept it pretty steady for like almost the entire race. Um, yeah, like we sort of swapped turns and neither of us was really willing to like go all in or, and, and commit to making a move. And I knew that I'd already ridden the last 35k. I knew what I was in for and I knew that if I had something left that I should be pretty good to get away in the same track. Um, so I just sort of was trying to stay patient and eat as much as I could and, you know, keep it pretty chill like I felt like it was it was kind of on her to get rid of me um, before the single track came and she did so yeah I just went to the front um, just after we left the oval and you know she was dropping the wheel in a few corners and I thought okay now now's the time and then I'm like I've still got 90 minutes so just keep a lid on it but yeah it was pretty much sensational for me and now do you did you you talk you said that Samara lit it up is that, do you put any time into thinking about what and the time to put before a race, or is it all about just having your plan and sticking up to your plan? Uh, I kind of knew that, like, you know, there was a few road girls here, and um, Samara, and, like, you know, we had quite a good build, um, but I was quite confident that if it got to the last 35k build together, that I could win it. Um, so, yeah, we knew that, like Dan and I talked about as you do um and yeah we knew that they would try to put the pressure on pretty early and as, as it turned out that's how it happened um but yeah she didn't really keep with it she never really turned the screws too many times um so yeah it was actually reasonably steady as it can be like in this this area and you mentioned that you re- rode the single track did you recce any any other parts of the course or was that the, the main bit that you recce no, we just did the last 35, you know, it was only on Wednesday that we knew we would be able to come, so we drove down Thursday morning, um, and we got here at 4 or 5 o'clock and did the loop, which took us quite a bit longer, like, you know, it's 35k, and then we're two and a half hours later, we're like, just getting back to the car, so, yeah, that was more than enough. So, last question for you, and then I'll move about today's race, and then I'll move to Dan. What about that section through noonday, which is, like, the four big climbs in a row that's 
that's not single track. It's just like it's just been bulldozed. Well, what was it like in there? Was that a bit unexpected, or were you? Yeah. How? What was the vibe through there? Yeah, I I had a pretty open mind with what to expect because I just really enjoy it, and like we basically raced in the past few weeks, so I hadn't really had time to really think about what the course was like, and I didn't do any research, and that was probably just bad on my part. Um, but yeah, we actually got caught by a few other girls um, in there, and we turned into a little bit of a group for a little while. Um, but yeah, I, I was happy to get through there safely because like there was some really sketchy sections um, and you know, there were sticks flying everywhere and all of us had to stop at least once to pull them out of our derailers. Um, so yeah, I was very happy to get through that smoothly and smoothly. Good, good to gain some insight and congratulations again on a win, Beth. Dan, you had a different race, so Beck had a battle with Samara. You were in a group of five, came through the the Oval, uh, you and Trekkie and um, Sam, young Sam Fox, you won't mind if I'm young. Um, I can't, who else was in that? Uh, AJ. AJ, and then there was a road rider. Can you remember his name? Sorry, road rider, if you're watching this. <laughs> That's okay. So what I noticed through the Oval was you were sitting on the back of that group, looking very comfortable. What What's going through your head at that stage? So you've got 64 under the belt. You're looking pretty comfortable. Are you sussing them out? What are you, what's, what's going on on them? Um, yeah, I sort of was trying to put the pace on um, in the single track previous, so I think 50 to 60 k's, and wasn't really getting anywhere. So just the last few k's into the feed zone, I knew I just had to rest and then um, yeah, pretty much as soon as we got to the sand flying out of the feed zone, I was, that was where I was always going to make my moves and it just sort of panned out like that. But um, yeah, just in a long race like that, you sort of, I don't know, a lot happens and a lot like emotional tension and whatever else happens and yeah, so you just kind of, yeah, at that point I was just trying to stay focused because there's so many things that can catch you out, so um, yeah, just trying to stay focused and stick with my plan. You mentioned emotional tension and, and I, to be honest, I'm surprised to hear that. Like, you've raced Olympics, you've raced Aussie champs a million times. To feel, to hear that you feel that at the Otway Odyssey, is that something that is in every race for you, no matter what what level it is, that there's always some level of tension? Yeah, it's just different. Like, I mostly do cross-country, which is 90 minutes, so I know very well how fast I can go. I turn up to a race like this where it's supposed to be five hours and it's changed a lot. So, you know, if you stuff up your time and you go too hard too early, um, yeah, it's going to hurt. Like when I did, the last time I did this race, I think I got to maybe 20Ks to go and I was stuck on the side of the road for probably half an hour with cramps. So, yeah, I know I can definitely catch you out, so I was really cautious just to make sure I was eating, drinking, trying to just stay relaxed and, um, yeah, like, uh, not take it to it, like, not, um, yeah, I guess not just get too carried away and just dismiss it. It's an easy track when it's definitely not. And you mentioned that you attacked out of the feed zone. Was that out of the oval or, or the... I'm um, just going across the road, it goes sort of into a sandy, sandy climb for just a few hundred metres and I knew generally when you people slow down for a, for a feed zone, sort of 
you know, you stop and you just lose your flow a little bit. So a lot of the time, out of the feed zone is actually quite a great spot to go because everyone's sort of struggling to get back into their rhythm again. And Sam Fox went with you? Yeah, so Sam went with me and um, I, at that point I thought Trekkie was the main sort of competition. So I pushed fairly hard for a few K just to get that gap open and then um, yeah, Sam went to the front and he had me under the pump for probably five Ks in a single track and I thought I had my work cut out and then he just all of a sudden just stopped and let me go and I was like, oh, okay, so he must be struggling as well. I did notice he was like hitting a lot of stuff and um, yeah, and then a few days after that he had a pretty big crash behind me. So, um, yeah, he was alright, but um, yeah, it's just such a hard course and so many corners and you know, little trees and shrubs and yeah, it's um, just hard to stay focused for so long. So, it, it, you know, I'm, I'm a coach and I work with the Australian juniors and I get really excited to see like Sam on you this weekend and Cam Wright was on you in Canberra last weekend. As a, I guess, um, you know, the leading rider in Australia for a long, long time. Is there a part of you that is really happy to see those young guys coming through or, or are you like, you the competitor in you like, oh, I want to keep kicking, I'm going to swear, I want to keep kicking these guys' ass for a few more years yet. Oh, I think it's both. Um, obviously, while I'm still racing, I want to be at the top. And um, yeah, but at the same time, it's really good to see young guys coming through. Like, it's fairly sad, really, that, you know, Cam Wright's probably the next guy behind me, and he's just turned 21. Um, so there's, you know, there's like 15 years gap. Um, so, yeah, I guess the main yeah, big thing with that is it's just, yeah, it's more disappointing that there's, there's not more guys, not like most countries, you know, it's, there's top guys all through and, you know, so you kind of just lose most of our guys either to the road or, you know, just get to be too hard to, to do it full time. So, yeah, I think it's more just a little bit sad more than anything. Um, we definitely have the talent, but... Yeah, it's just keeping the guys in the sport for long enough so they actually get the opportunities. Yeah, and I wish we had more time because I'd love to dig into that with you, but we're not, we don't have that much as, enough time to dig into that. So it's great to hear about both both your races, and um, you know, it's, and, and it's great to have you here. You know, to to have a little a big race in a little town, it's great to have you, you know World Cup. Olympia, Olympians and just fantastic. So it gives a lot of prestige to the event. So let's go backwards a little bit. Um, when did you, how did you guys start mountain biking? Um, I just started, I guess, riding for school as a kid. I grew up in um, like regional Victoria, just sort of near the entrance. Yeah, breathing. So there's only a couple hundred people. And yeah, I was riding for school and then it just happened to be there was like a, you know, one of the best BMXs in the country uh, who lived pretty close to me and he just started running um, mountain bike races. So I just got into it through that really and yeah, the sort of family got into it a little bit and yeah, it just sort of took off from there. 
Sorry, that was my mum calling. Beck, how did you get into it? And sorry, who was the BMXer out of interest? Uh, Glenn Wilson. Okay. Uh, I just got into it following my older brother and my dad around. Um, sometimes the sport causes a bit of a rift in the family because I have two other siblings that are not so well known because um, my older brother races and there was a lot of too much mountain bike talk at the dinner table. But um, yeah, I just followed them around and yeah, got into it like that. And Beck, while you're talking, I'll ask the next question. When did you know that you were good? Was there a moment or a race result or a, a time when you beat your dad or your brother? When did you know, yeah, this is, I'm good here? That's really, it's tricky because in my younger years, there wasn't many girls, to, there was no girls to race, so I would often race like the state rounds with the boys. Um, and like you really never knew if you were good or not um and then i went overseas and raced and like you know people would say i was good and then i got to my first world championship since junior and finished 22nd and i was a bit probably disappointed about that i think um the first time i sort of thought i really could be good was maybe 2012 when i started like really focusing on qualifying for the olympics i think that was when i first thought that yeah, could be a future in this for me. And were you under 23 by that stage? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And what about you, Dan? When did you know you were good? <laughs> no, um, yeah, that's a, that's a tough one. I guess like you can definitely be fairly good in Australia, but it doesn't really mean a lot depending on the deaths. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Um, I guess we spend most of the time, or at least half a year in Europe, so it can, it's a steep learning curve, but um, yeah, I guess probably around 2012 was when I started actually getting results, I'd already been on the circuit for quite a few years, and yeah, just, it took me quite a while to actually find my feet, um, probably just believe that I can actually ride towards the front. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, I think you guys spent about three years in a van cruising around Europe racing World Cups. Is that about the right timeline? Uh, we never had a van as such, but um, yeah, we the first few years we started doing it together, we were pretty low-key. Um, Beck was just done the 23s, I think, out of juniors, and I kind of wasn't going that good. And um, yeah, I guess Beck always like it was quite clear to me earlier that like Beck was going to be really good because she, although she said she was disappointed with twenty third or whatever the first worlds, that's off like basically no training. So it was actually quite good. And um, yeah, but I think we yeah we spent a few years just um, trying to do all the big races, um, get our names out there, get the experience and. Yeah, it just took, took a few years, but, you know, we finally got there and, um, yeah, I guess it, the turning curve, I guess, was when we signed the track. So I'm interested in what you said about Beck, because that's, was it just, was it the result and no training, or were there other things that you saw in Beck that you thought, she's going to be good? Um, I think just her skills, like her skill level is as far as you can get, like there's not too many girls in the world that are faster technically. 
So I think that's always a big head start. And then, um, yeah, and then it just takes time. you just got to put the work in. There's not really any shortcuts to becoming fast. you just got to spend the time. Um, and I guess just you you got to want to do it. Like, um, you can't just do it 80%. You've got to, you know, put your whole life into to wanting to be at the front. So for the for the juniors that are here, that's uh, you think those that skill development is a key to 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 becoming you know if they if they want to go to Europe or win Australian Championships or whatever that that skill development is, is super important. Yeah, I think so. Like it's a really hard thing to develop. Like you can always train the body to get fitter and faster, and you know, or that's like kind of the easy part in a way. Like. I think skill is, it's the hard thing to actually train and it's hard to actually train with your skills. So yeah, I think that's the, that's the big one. This is like a young kid coming through for sure. I think just work on the skills. Obviously the fitness is also super important, but you know, you can have a coach and they will give you exactly what to do where the skills work is, it's really hard to know what's going to help you get there. Did you want to add anything to that, Dave? Well, Dan is the coach and the boss, so I trust, trust him completely. Great. So we talked about international travel. We talked about where, where you knew you were at with that. And Dan, you talked about, like, in Australia, you can be good, but what does that really mean compared to international? So I imagine racing internationally, and, you know, it doesn't have to be about then. It can be about now. How do you manage them, you know, results-wise? Like a World Cup, there's, what, five minutes between first and 50th? So there's 50 riders in, in five minutes. So every week there's a bit of a fair bit of fluctuation. You know, your, two, your form can be two minutes different than the week before, and that's 30 places. How do you... Do you guys have a process that you use to manage those ups and downs? And I'm really interested in from the juniors who are here, how they can... No, I'll tell a little story. I was in Montserrat when Beck finished third, and I saw Beck and Dan. I don't think they knew I was there, but I was at the. There's like Montserrat. Has anyone been to Montserrat? There's like a milk bar, and Beck had just finished third in the world, and they went to the milk bar and got some lollies. And I was like, that must be the celebration. Do you do you try to manage the highs? So that they're not too high, and the lows. Talk to me. Talk to me about how you manage that that high and low fluctuation. Quite the opposite, actually. Um, we've learned through so many hard times, and like times where we've achieved like amazing results for ourselves and not celebrated enough. And I don't mean like getting drunk and partying all night. Like there's a time and place for that, but you know, just like. Like living in that moment and appreciating it because it's few and far between. Like it's not easy to win a race or to get a podium at a World Cup or you know. And like there's been times, you know, there's like a we didn't make the most of when Dan was a he was a regular on the podium and I think we took that for granted. And again, like my second World Cup podium, and we didn't really like feel that moment because. When you're riding that level, you think next week I can be there again, and then it doesn't necessarily happen. So 
yeah, we every time we have a good result or a good race or you know, we like we really take the time to enjoy that because, you know, we work so hard for this and there it's like eighty percent hard and not fun and you know, like sometimes you're just dragging yourself out of bed and, you know, racing is tough. Um, so yeah, we we have learned to like really enjoy those moments that we've worked hard for and to, you know, if one of us has a good race and the other one has a terrible race, we just go with the group and we just enjoy that. That's fantastic. Really good insight there. Dan, did you want to add anything to that? No, I think that's pretty much just what we found works really good. Um, yeah, riding is hard. Obviously, it's also extremely fun, but um, yeah, it's hard and we've got to like celebrate the little wins, whether it's just, you know, a, a training session that went really well or, or a winning race. So, um, yeah, I think you've really got to just, it helps us to keep the motivation going and just, um, you know, it gives us something to, to aim for, also short-term, not just long-term as well. Awesome. So let's talk very quickly about last year's World Champs. Um, Beck, and, and I don't think this has been talked about enough. I think this is amazing. Like, you guys spent most of last year in Australia, got on a plane, did one race, then did Worlds, and came third at Worlds. That's, that's an incredible thing to do, to be on pace, to spend a year or what out of Europe, then get on a plane and be on pace at Worlds. Can you tell us a bit about, you know, give us some insight into firstly what it was like being in Australia, knowing that there was others, there was racing going on, and then getting to Worlds and coming through. Can you give us some insight into what that was like? Yeah, it was a really challenging time for us. Um, you know, to be so far away from the action and where everything's happening and, you know, things are changing within a few days and we're stuck having to wait at home to see what the best move is to, you know, racing starts going ahead, races are cancelled and we're just sitting by waiting, like, what do we do? And just, you know, we committed to just continuing our training, like, more base camps, but we knew we were going to need, like, four or five or six weeks before the race to know, like, to, you know, change up the training and be ready to, to do the races. And I think, like, mentally it was quite challenging when we started seeing people doing the racing, but then also being so unsure if that was an environment we wanted to get ourselves involved in. Um, so there was, a, there was a lot that went into it, but, you know, we, we were desperate to do some racing at home and some of the races we had committed to doing got cancelled super last minute and we had two big preparation races and they were local club races. Um, and that's what we did before we went to Europe. And then, yeah, we raced in Poland one week before um, the first World Cup, but then, yeah, it was... 10 days of just super intense racing and then we were back on the plane home um so you know we we learned a lot and knowing that i mean we know that you have to race to find your absolute best level but to find that level with no preparation races is like a really positive outcome for us and i think it holds us pretty well again going into this season and who knows what happens at olympics and whatnot we know that we're pretty adaptable and I think we're still pretty confident we can find out as well. So how much of that comes down, and again, you know, this is something I think juniors can really learn from, how much of that last year comes out of self-belief? I don't know 
you put so much self self belief only gets you so far. I think consistency and maintaining your motivation and even if you're not motivated, maintaining your training and just getting it done. Um, you know, like people think we're super motivated people all the time and it's not necessarily the case. I think what makes a good athlete is when even when you're not motivated, you can still get it done and then again knowing when to just give yourself a break. Um, you know, mentally, physically, whatever it, whatever that is. Um, but yeah, I think it's just like staying consistent. Dan, you had also had an incredible world last year. Was that what what do you put down that down to for you? Was it about consistency for you or was there other things in the mix as well? Um, yeah, I think like we actually did a lot of training like last year it turns out that it was our most amount of time spent on the bike. So um, yeah, we trained really well. Um, somehow we were able just to keep focused even though the races were kind of getting flicked off every few weeks. Um, we just sort of stayed focused and just thought, well, racing will start at some point, so we just have to be ready when it does. And yeah, I think, yeah, we both got to European really good form. And yeah, it's sort of mountain biking is generally, if you have good form, you can get the results. Like obviously there's, you need a little bit of luck as well, but generally, you know, if you have the legs, you can, you can fight your way over the front. Fantastic. Two more questions from me, and then we'll throw it to the crowd. Um, Olympic Games this year in Tokyo. How are the Olympics, or are, if, I'm, I'm assuming the Olympics are different from a World Cup or a World Championships. What are the major differences between an Olympic mountain bike racing and, and a World Cup or a World Champs? Um, I guess just the main difference is just that there's the best athletes from every sport. Um, so it's just this massive event, but I guess for us, like we pretty much see it very similar to like World Cups or World Champs. Like you really, I don't know, we're fairly lucky because Olympics is generally around the World Cups. So we just know we have to be in good shape for them. And um, yeah, it's really hard to, if you just put four years of your life into one race and you know anything can happen so it's it's yeah it's a, you can't just really after you'll put four years into one race um yeah in um rio i broke my spokes in the star loop and my race was pretty much done like after a minute so um yeah i think we've just learned from races like that that you just go there in the best shape you can and um yeah just try and treat it as a, a normal race obviously there's nothing really normal about the olympics but yeah you've just got to, i think we just keep it fairly low key and try and keep everything exactly the same and we know what works and yeah your thoughts Beck? yeah i think olympics is so tricky it's it's an event that breaks more hearts than it helps kind of thing like you know you there's so much expectation and so much like coverage around the Olympics and then, you know, in Aussie culture, if you don't get a medal, what happened? And, you know, like that's something that's quite tough when, you know, there's that expectation from the public that you go to the Olympics and you get a medal. We can do that in swimming and in track cycling. And people don't understand that, like the background that, that 
the money and the resources that are going into those athletes compared to mountain bikers. We don't have any money or any resources. And, you know, like people like Dan and I have been on our own for the best part of 10 or 15 years, and which is fine and we love it like that. But just that, yeah, like when you, when you come home and how was the Olympics? Did you get a medal? No? Like, and, and you feel like you're a failure. And I think it's just like learning to be mature enough to overcome, like to not care about that and not worry about that. And yeah, like Dan says, we just have over our experiences learned that it's just one race and like, you know, we both came away from Rio super disappointed. And I think that like was a major life lesson for us. And I think, you know, now we can just kind of go in there with nothing to lose and, you know, just do our thing. So how do you prepare? Like we're, what are we now, February, so four months to the Olympics? Four or five months? Do you, are you guys, are you planning to race domestically until then or what's what's the plan? And if it's, if it's all, you know. <laughs> um, we're, we're just planning our standard race schedule. You know, we have commitments to the team um, and Realistically, for the team, Olympics is not a huge priority race unless you come back with a medal. Um, so, yeah, you know, the World Cup start in May and we're all in for those. And of course, we're going to do specific training and try to time our peak as best we can towards the Olympics. But, um, you know, a lot of people do that and miss time. And, you know, like we're just not going to change anything and just focus on those races. And again, the World Championships is just before or just after, so like it's a good time to hit home and um, yeah. Did you want to add anything? Coach? No, not really. I think, um, yeah, the plan at the moment is to go to Europe in April and yeah, we have we have our race calendar. Um, it's actually quite full, which is good. Um, racing sort of getting back on the way in Europe and Hopefully things will start settling down there over the next few months. Um, yeah, but apart from that, I think everything, like this will be my 20th year straight racing in Europe, so we have a pretty good idea of how we can go about it and, um, you know, get the, hopefully get the results that we want to get when we need to get them. Fantastic. Let's throw it to the crowd. So we'll take a few questions from the crowd. Who would like to, yes, Mick? Over there, do you want to yell? Yeah, you have to be a bit of a Yeah. Question? Yeah. Um, what time did you start today? Um, I think my time was around 4 hours 35 or something. I'm not a hundred percent certain plus or minus five and a half hours. And um compared to the course previously, that was it. Yeah, Beck hasn't done it. Um I've only done it I've done it twice actually, but I think that was like the first and the second edition. So it's five and sort of race from probably twelve or thirteen years I think. So, um it's about what I remember, to be honest. It's um, it's a really hard race. Um, I think you have all of the climbing and the, I guess the more sort of just tempo sort of sections early, 
and then the last sort of 50 k's is quite hard just to stay concentrated you're already so fatigued that um, when you get to that point and then it's you know very tight in the, in the forest especially the last 35 k and i think that's what really makes it hard i think if it was race like backwards it would be sort of a lot easier mentally for sure I do. And it is amazing. I think everybody should have an e-bike in their garage. So we've got a, a question over here, but while I'm trying to that question, why an e-bike? And do you remember what you were riding last, like, in terms of what the bike was last time you raced the Odyssey? And it, it doesn't have to be specific, but it could be general, like there is a 2016 3 front chain rings. Yeah, well, I'm sure it had three chain rings for sure. And it, for sure it was a 26. For sure it was a hardtail. Definitely a hardtail. Uh, yeah, it was probably a cube, I think. Um, I was riding for the talk team. Um, yeah, but I guess bikes have changed a lot, but actually I rode the hard tail today, so, yeah. And do you want to grab that to tell us why you got the e-bike? About the e-bike, um, <laughs> I justified it as a training tool, um, but one of the major reasons really was for, um, taking our little puppy Lenny, um, I've just got him in a basket to sit on the front of the e-bike, so, I haven't mounted it yet, but I'm really looking forward to doing that this week. And um, yeah, taking, but re realistically, I am using it to one, try to keep up with Dan occasionally, um, and two, just like it's a great way, I think, for me to use it as a, as a skills development thing. You know, I can go out and not be so tired climbing, and then I can actually um, work the descents. Um, but for everybody, I think they're absolutely amazing. They make the sport so inclusive and, you know, if you're not super fit, you can go to places where you've never been before or you can go, if you could only normally ride 30 minutes, you can now ride an hour or maybe two, um, you know, and you can do it as easy or as hard as you want. So get an e-bike if, if you're thinking about getting into it. Question over here. Great question. I was 10 years old when I started mountain biking, just, you know, riding, riding along with the family. Uh, I think I did my first race when I was five, but I guess, um, yeah, I've just been riding pretty much my whole life. I guess I only really took it serious, I guess, when I started probably under 17s, I think. And I guess an interesting thing that I, for, particularly for juniors today, Dan, were you good straight away? Not, not particularly. I think um, I was actually really lucky in, um, I guess, when I started, we had quite a lot of good guys. Um, yeah, um, when I was juniors, we went to Worlds, and for the two years that I was junior, we were the number one ranked country in the world for juniors. So we had probably close to 10 guys who are actually proper fast. So, um, yeah, unlike Becker, who sort of didn't have a lot of um, competition in Oz, um, there was quite a few guys young, and I think 
it just helped with my environment a lot. So, um, yeah, but for sure, I definitely wasn't the fastest of them. Um, but yeah, it just took me took, took me some years, and yeah, it just takes that greater um, putting in work. And your first works was pretty amazing. Who won stuff? At your, who, which Aussies won stuff at your first works? Um, so Trent Lowe, he won the junior race. Um, so he ended up riding for Discovery Channel and Throw on the Road for quite a few years. Um, I think in the, I can't really remember who, who was the run. I think um, Roland Green maybe. Um, yeah, but yeah, I think there was just quite a few fast Aussies in that time. Like, you know, was always up there. And, did yeah. Sam Hill win that year as well? Um, yeah, I think he did. Lisa Matheson also won the June. So I think there were three Aussie world champions in that year, which was pretty amazing. Um, and I remember Dan saying to me, he thought that it would just be like that forever, that Aussies would just dominate. Any more questions? Yep. We'll have, this will be our second last question. We better let Beckham down rest. Did you guys ride up the sand hill today, or does, is that impossible? Um, yes, we did ride up. Well, I did. Yeah, so we, we did make it. Woo! Yes! That was a We did, um, we did practice, well, we saw that a few days ago, and we definitely knew that was one second that you have to clear, yeah, especially if you were with someone that would, could potentially be sort of the last really big chance to put a move on. So we knew coming into that sort of also to down that fence line fast down here just to try and save some legs so you were ready for it. One last question. Beck and Dan, thank you so much. It, I really appreciate you riding for a long time and then going home, having a shower and coming back. That's, that's quite a drive down to Apollo Bay and back, so I really appreciate you making the effort. Good luck with World Cups, good luck with Olympics, good luck with World Champions, World Championships. Um, it's, uh, you're, you're amazing ambassadors for mountain biking and for Australia, and we, we're lucky to have you racing overseas and here with us in Forest in this little town. Um, thank you for your time. We really appreciate it. Let's give a round of applause <laughs> for Beck and Dan. And thanks for your honesty and, and, and willingness to answer our questions. And we really appreciate it. And hope to see you at the Odyssey for 2022. Where there, the rumour is that it'll get to Forest and then there's a road over there and then back to Apollo Bay to 100 Mile. Well, thanks for having us and good luck to everyone or anyone who's, I don't know if it's game enough or whatever to do the gravel grind tomorrow. Are you guys doing it? No, we <laughs> will not be there. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Enjoy your evening in forest.